Warning, this episode contains spoilers for both the American and Japanese versions of The Ring, so if you're still in 2002, proceed at your own risk. Thanks and enjoy the show. Do I need to introduce yeah. this first? Welcome, ladies and germs and people of all genders to Ah Real Films. <laughs> I was, I trying was some new things. Trying something a little new. <laughs> On this podcast, uh, my sister and I, we talk about horror films, a different topic every week, and one film each. And at the end, we give you a little bit of horror news, things we've been watching, things we're interested in. Um, and my name is Curtis. I thought we were doing nicknames. I couldn't think of a nickname off the top of my head. I had something really clever before we came in here, and it, I just went blank. Well, my name is Taylor. Though. Okay. <laughs> and, yeah, do you want to introduce our topic for this week? Yeah, this week we're doing creepy kids. Mm. Um, so movies that feature or are about creepy kids. Mm-hmm. Um, whether Not much more to it, I guess. Whether paranormal or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, my movie that I picked this week features a creepy paranormal kid and a creepy human kid. That kid is weird. Uh, So I guess we can just jump right in. I mean, do you want to talk a little bit about the topic of creepy kids? Everybody seems to be creeped out by... I think the thing lately has been more religious figures. The nun seemed to really scare people. People are really scared by priests nowadays. Mm -hmm. It's kind of the fad now. Mm -hmm. But uh, creepy kids uh, is very, very classic. Why why are kids so creepy in horror movies? I guess people expect kids to be really innocent and not have much going on. So when they start acting like even slightly off, you're like... Mm -hmm. Shit's about to hit the fan. And I know some people aren't really scared by creepy kids because it's kind of like, well, you could just overpower them physically, like yeah. very evilly. Jump I think, on them. I think that's why maybe the psychological, or sorry, that's why the supernatural creepy kid element mm. is kind of scary because they're not as easily beatable. But to me, it's more scary to have like a just run of the mill, the omen type of thing where it's just yeah. like this kid is just really weird and. I was doing a little bit of research on the topic of creepy kids and why are kids so creepy? When when did this start? And it seems like um, the really popular first creepy kids movie was uh, 1950s. I don't have the year in front of me. Village of the Damned. Mm. Um, And I think that along with um, there's also a Twilight episode, if you'll recall, featuring a kid who can. What uh, is it called? The kid with all the gifts or something like that? yeah. Yeah. Also, I think really it hit the ground running with The Omen. 1976 is The Omen. Yeah, have, yeah I'm, I'm sure you've seen The yeah, Omen. Yeah, it yeah. is really creepy because, too, he's kind of a conduit for things that are larger than life. Mm-hmm. I think that's the same as uh, Danny in The Shining, which oh, yeah. is where they kind of channel supernatural See, elements. I didn't, really, I didn't feel like Danny was creepy, more so that he is, you know, just part of this whole mass of creepy things whereas yeah. damien and the omen that kid's creepy yeah. and the little smile he gives at the end oh, yeah. that little shit i just want to <laughs> <laughs> the movie that always pops into my head when i think of creepy kids which is not the movie i chose for this week is children of the corn oh yeah yeah classic kind of, creepy kind of a, kid 
kind of very similar to Village of the Damned. I think it's just a lot of a lot of there's a lot of creepy kids. Yeah, well, and I think Children of the Corn is interesting too because they are very anti-adult. It's not Mm -hmm. just that they're creepy kids; it's that if you're an adult, they just don't like you. Whereas in other movies, well, that's creepy creepy. to me. I'm an adult, so that's creepy to me. (laughs) That's well, the guy um, who played the main kid in that movie was actually an adult who I maybe was a little person, but he was just a very small adult and people always said that he brought a gravitas that the other kids didn't bring but it's just because he was an adult yeah of course yeah i totally forgot about that i just heard that recently do you want to go into your movie what's your creepy kid movie my creepy kid movie um is a very recent austrian horror film from 2014 called goodnight mommy Mm. written and directed by veronica franz and severin fiala those beautiful, beautiful names. names. Yeah. Uh, it stars Suzanne West as the mom and Elias and Lucas Schwartz as the sons. And they are the titular creepy kids. Yeah. And uh, yeah. funny, I didn't know that was their names. That Their names are Elias and Lucas in the film. Yeah, well. they are. So cool. I thought that was kind of interesting. And so Goodnight Mommy is basically about this woman. She comes home from getting facial reconstructive surgery. Um, that's Suzanne West. She's the mommy. Very invisible man looking. Yes. Very, her whole very head creepy. Is, yeah, her whole head is bandaged. So the only thing you can see are her eyes, and they're very bloodshot. So that's kind of very off-putting. She is favoring Lucas. No, she's favoring Elias yeah. over Lucas. Elias. Yeah. Elias. <laughs> um, she's favoring him over Lucas and, and like, only feeding him at dinner and only um, really speaking to him. And you are like why is she ignoring lucas it's kind of is like she What's has a wrong weird with this woman yeah, yeah she's doing a lot that's one of the weird things she's doing she's also like doing weird things like wandering into the fields at night and, you know it's very clear that she's gone through a traumatic event mm-hmm. um that either led to this facial reconstructive surgery or are we doing a spoiler warning here i'm not gonna spoil the movie okay. at this point because it's so new and i yeah. think it has such a big um twist ending that i really didn't want to spoil i think there's enough to talk about there's without like, spoiling it. first off not only is it a twist ending there's like three twists in this movie yeah. three this is like i like to play a little game when i watch a movie called twist or twist <laughs> is if if a movie is a movie a twist or a twist movie you know like vincent price a little twist you know, that kind of thing there's yeah. a lot of movies that really have little twists like really <laughs> dumb twists this movie delivers you know two or three like real sucker punch twists yeah. that you really unless you're watching really really carefully on your first time you don't see this shit coming at all and this is a little bit of a spoiler where just telling you that there is a twist movie's really good at concealing its intentions i feel like it's definitely good at concealing its intentions and what i like about it that i can't say about other movies with a big twist <laughs> is that <laughs> is that Without the twist, it would still be a very scary movie. Yeah. So the mom comes home and she's acting kind of weird. And the, the kids can't see her face either. The kids can't yeah. see her face, which as, you know, as human beings, you realize you read a lot of someone's emotional states just based on the way their face looks. So they're not really sure how to read her. They have very, I think, normal kid reactions to this. Mm-hmm. But then they go, well, what if this isn't our mom? And that's when the the creepy kid part comes in because they are so convinced that it's not their mom that the lengths that they go to to Mm -hmm. get her to prove who she really is, that's where the creepy kid stuff comes in. And I don't want to spoil that. Kind of another reason why I wanted to pick this, too, is because their dynamic, the two twins, is kind of weird. Yeah. They're very isolated. They do... 
you know, typical sibling things together. They play outside and all that kind of stuff. But they also, like, have a collection of bugs that they tend to. One of the twins is always whispering in the other twin's ear like he refuses to talk. There's just something going on with them that makes you feel unsettled. And then also you feel unsettled because of what the mom is doing. I, so it just works on a lot of levels. The I think. thing that really scares me a lot about this movie has to do with the fact that these are children. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of what makes kids so creepy when they're in a horror movie, like the creepy kid trope, is that kids are so innocent. Mm-hmm. And these kids are at the beginning of the movie are so innocent and then you see them gets more and more paranoid and more and more just distrusting of the mom and it bleeds over into the viewer because then you start thinking like the logical thing to think is this woman had facial reconstructive surgery she's just healing mm-hmm. but then the kids paranoia really yeah. gets to you. you're like is this really the mom and then you see these weird things happen you're like right. oh is this really what's going on here and i think it wouldn't, you know, if this was just someone's husband, mm-hmm. we would expect that kind of like paranoia. But there also there's the lack of rational thought with children. Mm-hmm. So if it was a husband, maybe it's like, OK, I'm feeling a little paranoid, but I know this is my wife. I hear her voice, blah, blah, blah. But kids don't have. They're not rational. They're thinkers. not rational yeah. thinkers. And yeah. I think what related to that, too, the reason what makes this so effective, I think other creepy kid movies position the kid uh separate from their parental units or separate from their families and that's children of the corn i'm thinking but this movie kind of recalls the omen where it's kid against parent and that's just a very uncomfortable dynamic especially i mean obviously a lot of movies are about a strained parent uh son or daughter or just child relationship but this movie specifically because the boys are young they're only 10 the adversarial relationship that exists on both sides so the mom towards Lucas and both the boys towards the mom mm-hmm. makes it really uncomfortable. And it and the thing that pushes it into the horror is, yeah, these supernatural elements and stuff. But it wouldn't be, I think, as effective a film if it weren't for how well they play off of, you know, you're supposed to trust your mom mm-hmm. and the, the boys. They don't because yeah. they don't think it's really their mom. And so. I think when I, you know, this is 10 years ago now when I was an undergrad, but I remember or even in high school having, you know, very rudimentary psychology classes about how some parents really do fear their children Mm. and, you know, how some parents like you put so much time and energy and effort and care into Mm. raising your children and the fear that your children, despite all this, will hate you. And I think this movie kind of plays on that fear as well. I mean, I can imagine I'm neither of us are parents. We're parents of animals. Yes. Uh, I have three cats. You have one cat and a dog. Yes, we have. A very large amount of pets. Because <laughs> I know my pets would never do anything to harm me. I, I sometimes worry that Omar will kill me. I do. <laughs> He's a black cat. Yeah. But I know there's got to be some parents out there that watch this movie that that is the main thing they get out of this film. And, you know, again, we can't really relate to that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the idea that your children secretly hate you or secretly out to, you know, get you or, or that's got to be a very real feel, fear for some parents, I have to imagine. And I think this movie... These kids are very devious in this movie. Well, and on the flip side, I have, which is the central premise of the movie for most of the film, excuse me, is that the kids don't trust the mother. As a child, I think that's very scary. You know, I can't imagine, like, I mean, I was very dependent on my parents as a kid, as most kids are. And the thought that at 10 years old, first of all, that you're, when she comes home, they're alone. So they've been alone, which I think is a little weird, too. She doesn't seem like a great mother. Yeah, that made me feel a little suspicious. I was like, do they not have a babysitter or somebody who's watching them? And the fact that your only protector, your only other family member besides someone who's the same age as you is acting strangely, I 
I mean, that's, yeah. to me, for most of the film, that's the big scare. And that's why this film is so great. Mm-hmm. You can identify with the kids or you can identify with the parents because for so much of this movie, you have no idea what the real truth is. And it, yeah. it pulls you back and forth. There's one scene, you know, she's eating a bug. And you're uh-huh. like, oh, my God, it's not her. She's a monster. But then in the other scene, they're putting a bug in her I, mouth. Well, and okay. so, <laughs> a few I mean, seconds that's earlier, they're yeah. trying to put a bug in her mouth. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah, yeah, they're adversarial towards each other. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, it's, I think it's a really scary, effective movie. Um, Again, I don't want to spoil it because it did come out recently and it has such a good twist. Mm. Um, but not a twist. A twist. Twist. It's very unsettling for most of the movie. And then at the end of the movie, it gets straight up scary. Yeah. Like, it's very scary. Yeah, absolutely. And it's very uncomfortable. I, another yeah. thing I want to say about this movie, this is possibly none levels of great trailer. The trailer mm. for this movie is so good. I've mm. never shown someone this trailer and they haven't wanted to go immediately watch it. So. And what I like... Okay, I never watched the trailer for Halloween 2018. Mm-hmm. Thank God I didn't. Yeah, because after so much. <laughs> after I watched Halloween, I went and watched the trailer. I was like, if I had watched the trailer before, I wouldn't have it enjoyed have the film. It would have killed all the scares. Yeah. yeah. I will say about Goodnight Mommy, it makes you excited for the film. It gives you a sense of what the film's about without giving away probably the most effective yeah. parts. It gives away a lot of the most effective, I think, shots. Like the shot of her well, looking out. You don't have out. any context, though. You don't yeah, have any context. But the shot yeah. of her looking out the blinds which is kind of the big picture that they published um along with the film i mean that is one of the best shots of the Mm -hmm. film but it just is a good yeah it's a really good trailer um if you guys are watching the trailer i have to say you know as i'm obviously a more hardened horror fan but it's it's hard for us too i think to be scared we watch so many horror movies um, but still, when this trailer says scariest film ever, blah, 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 it's it's not the scariest film ever. Don't be afraid. But it's scary. It's scary yeah. But it's not like, you know, well, my movie has level of scary. Yeah. Or, you know, I, I think, you know, if you're dipping your toes in a little bit, this is a great movie, yeah. great film to dip your toes in in terms of horror. And I would uh, say this is a good for anybody of any, you know, maybe teenager and up to watch. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and uh, so that's pretty much all I wanted to talk about with mm-hmm. Goodnight Mommy. I think the creepy kid element builds over the course of the film, obviously, as they start to suspect that this isn't their mother. But I also think, too, what I, why I chose it for this episode, too, great performances by yeah, the, twin, the, kids are the twin actors. Really good job. Yeah, yeah, they are very talented. I mean, they're brothers in real life, so I think that definitely helps their dynamic. I find a lot of movies and shows about siblings shy away from more intimate like moments between like your sibling like you're willing to like hug them and like punch them on the shoulder and like have deep conversations with them and i think a lot of films and movies leave that out because maybe the actors feel uncomfortable or something mm-hmm. i think this movie really gets the dynamic right because it's just them being themselves Kinda like mary kate and ashley those yes. girls when they're on the screen yeah. you feel the sisterly <laughs> love <laughs> yeah um god i used to love those mary uh, kate i've ashley watched films. way too many mary kate and ashley films with you when I, I was ago. very obsessed with that. I had we, the should, video we should game. do a mary kate and ashley the halloween episode. oh we have to okay. do the halloween movie that's a good uh, is there a halloween movie i maybe it was just an episode of something i don't they I don't had know. a show right yeah. well i mean they were on full house obviously but they had a show i think it was on the disney channel with the two of them i don't remember i remember some halloween action i also remember there was one episode where ashley like kissed a boy but didn't like it because she had Dor- he had dorito breath or something <laughs> that's really gross wonderful <laughs> anyway um, i are getting off a little bit off topic that was our uh new segment we're introducing is how do we rope mary kate and ashley into a conversation we're having about horror films and yeah so, i think there's a lot of ties there's it's a ton. <laughs> those girls are scary let's yeah. be honest they're a little weird the looking. pizza let's song just... come on wait what the p uh, anyway you can cut this <laughs> 
Um, anyway, yeah, no, great, great film. Good night, mommy. Highly and recommend. This and sorry, I guess maybe this is the last thing I'll say about good night. Good night, mommy. This came out in twenty. What did I say? Fifteen. Twenty fourteen. Twenty fifteen. What a great span for horror movies. I mean, I'm not gonna, to say that it has slowed down recently. I'm gonna but take it a step further. Twenty fourteen to twenty eighteen. We're maybe experiencing the greatest. I mean. We watched Good Night, Mommy. We watched it together. <laughs> and we watched it. I don't know why I laughed like that. <laughs> um, in case it surprises anybody, we do watch movies together a lot. Um, <laughs> we watched this movie around the same time that we watched The Witch, Starry Eyes. Like, I just have such fond memories of, like, specifically, like, two years Annabelle ago. Annabel creation. <laughs> <laughs> where we were just watching so... This is a prime example, I think, of just very prestige horror movies that we're in right now. And that's not to say, and I read about this in Fangoria, that's not to say that horror movies have been bad. That's uh, that's definitely not. And I'm not saying that horror movies suddenly have become highbrow because you can look to films from 40 years ago that were horror films that were tackling subjects that other films didn't tackle yeah. that are very highbrow, that are very like artsy and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. But I really like the movies that have come out recently that are tackling new topics and that are really benefiting, I think, off of like modern technology and all of the effects and stuff well, that are available we've now. We've talked a lot about how horror is such a great vehicle for so many different topics and situations and, you know, things we experience in everyday life. Because horror movies are basically ways we get to confront our deepest fears in a safe way. Mm -hmm. We just watch it on TV. And I think a lot of really smart directors... Uh, you know, Jordan Peele and... Um, just Jordan Peele. Just Jordan Peele. <laughs> Jordan Peele, you're doing a great job. <laughs> I, We're your biggest fan. I'm coming off the dome on this one. Yeah. Uh, so I'm struggling to think of the other directors. Uh, David Eggers, who did The Witch. I yeah. Mean, more thoughtful direct... My, one of my favorite horror films is, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You know, I, I'm that's a cerebral movie, yeah. not really about any greater topic. I love all horror films but there aren't the this new wave of like thoughtful horror i mean even halloween like so thoughtfully crafted mm -hmm. and i think it was really like precise in how it developed its plot and its characters um so other people on the horror movie podcast we have a big issue we have with a you beef, guys. we have a we have a we'll send you guys an email don't worry um anyway um yeah no i think i think this is definitely in that tier you know mm -hmm. that it follows which um hereditary tier i think it's in that tier of like thoughtful scary good horror films whereas you know we've talked many times how much we dislike the babadook we think that movie is both not scary and not very thoughtful there are other films that try to do this and don't succeed we're not yeah. just saying just because you're artsy or anything that right you're a good film because i know? think i think our issue with that which is again about a creepy kid so i think fair play yeah babadook is about a creepy fair kid, play absolutely. for this episode yeah i think too a lot of horror movies come out have come out recently that are, to me seem to be trying to cash in on this trend of like the everything horror movie and the Duke is like that everyone's like well maybe you don't realize this but it's about depression i'm like yeah i realize Everybody it realizes that, i realize yeah. that they fucking hit you over the head with that <laughs> yeah. and that's my problem with it yeah. like it's it that movie kind of goes too far into the like horror is about confronting your fears category yeah, yeah. yeah we, and we're getting a little off topic here this yeah. turned into more of a conversation about <laughs> highbrow horror but um that is to say, Good Night, Mommy is definitely worth yeah. worth your while watching, especially if you enjoyed films like The Witch or Hereditary or anything like that. It's a very thoughtful movie. But, you know, in terms of scariness, I'd say it's like middle of the road scary. Yeah, right? I would say it's one of those movies that scares me in the moment and certain shots of it, like I'll think to myself and I'll creep myself out. But I wouldn't say it. 
I mean, I love my mother so much. I'm not like going to say like it traumatized me because I'm like, well, well, like my siblings, (laughs) like my mom. It's fine. (laughs) Well, that's in contrast then to the film I'm about to talk about, a film that terrorized a generation, including me when I first saw it. And including my partner, who is literally Literally, can't even listen to the conversation we're having. Yeah, (laughs) he went to to the other room to make sure he didn't hear we're talking about this. And so my film is The Ring, the American remake of Ring. Ringu. Or Ringu, as it was an American The Ring is a 2002 film directed by Gore Verbansky, best known for directing Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Lit. (laughs) (laughs) And it starts Naomi Watts and Martin Henderson. And But I also, to begin this conversation, I also want to talk about Ring, the Japanese Ring, which was a 1998 movie directed by Hideo Nakata and starring Nanako Matsushima and Hiroyuki Sanada as the two main characters. And these these four actors play, yeah. you know, the same characters. Uh, that's the mom and the son or the mom and the mom her. and the ex-husband. And yeah. The ex-husband. Okay. yeah. The the son um whose name in the Japanese version Yoichi, I don't know who the what the actor's name is, but the mm-hmm. character's name is Yoichi. He has a lot less prominent role oh, okay. than than the, the I think I've only seen parts of Aiden the Japanese in, ring. Yeah. yeah. So I want to talk about these two films to start. I have a I have a greater point where I'm going to wrap in, uh, you know, the sort of creepy kids aspect of it. He came prepared with notes, you guys. This and is the he first time up. ever. He like hit me over the head with them, and I was like, oh, I did not take that many. <laughs> <laughs> no, but first I wanted to talk. This is a very controversial subject, maybe not among, you know, non horror fans or more casual horror fans, but hardcore horror fans are insistent that. Asian version, or more specifically, Japanese versions of movies are better than their American counterparts. And this was specifically the phenomenon of remaking Japanese mm-hmm. horror movies started with The Ring. The mm-hmm. Ring was so popular. Dark Water was remade. One Miss Call was remade. Pulse was remade. Grudge. Grudge, yeah. which was based on the Japanese film Juon, mm-hmm. was remade. My personal opinion that The Ring is the most successful remake. But there are other good ones. I think that the American version of Dark Water is very, very scary. And personally, I watched these two films uh, this weekend. So I, I have them fresh in my mind. Personally, I found The Ring far more scarier and far better film than mm-hmm. Ring, Japanese Ring. There are so many people out there that are yeah. probably going to... All 10 people who are listening to this podcast are going to be listening. You know, nine of them are like who have seen these two films will scream at... Mm-hmm. Their radio or their earbuds or whatever, be like, that's <laughs> oh, not right. true. Well, the ring is better. But I, I have a big problem. A lot of people are insistent that no matter what, the original is always better than the mm-hmm. remake. I will say probably seven times out of ten, that's true. Mm-hmm. I think it's true. I'm not, I'm not going to go off on a tangent. This is relevant, I promise. Okay. But I think this is no more prevalent than when you talk about funny games. Oh, yeah. Which Absolutely. so the original is in shot German. For shot. Yeah, in, the original yeah. is in German. He re- remade it in English. If you ask, if you ask the director, and he directed the English version too, mm-hmm. why'd you make it in English so American audiences could understand what they were saying? That's the only reason. Yeah, it's almost shot for shot. Yeah, it's exactly yeah. the same movie. Yeah, people will still insist the original is better. It's like no, the better version is the one that you can understand without reading yeah. subtitles. Is my opinion, and I think sometimes with Japanese remakes, I think people do have a complaint that maybe American audiences aren't putting in the work to, you know, read subtitles and to understand like a lang- film that's fr- in a different language. I think that's fair. I don't think it's fair to say that necessarily the remakes are worse or necessarily that you're only watching a remake so that you can understand yeah. it in your now, native language. The the remake of The Ring, now, I mean, the same plot beats are all, are all there. Excuse me. 
We're drinking some Jacksonville Bold City yeah. Brewing Duke's Brown Ale beer. Excuse Very my good, good bourbon. <laughs> um, so I will say, you know, the one advantage I think that the Japanese version has on the American version is it works better as like a drama, kind of like a family drama. You know, there's a lot more about how the two characters who's in the Japanese versions, their names are Reiko and Ryuji, and their son is named Yoichi. And how much, you know, they're, you know, as everybody, you know, who has seen the rings, they know that the kids in both movies eventually watch the video. Um, there's a lot more concern for the child, the effects on the child and how they feel like they failed as parents. And that's what's driving them to sort of cure the curse in the Japanese ring. And I thought that was really cool. Literally everything else uh, about the American version is better. I think it's a better made film. I think it gets its point across much better. And I think it's way scarier. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk a little bit about that first. But first, I'm going to talk a little bit about the plot of these two films. They basically have the same plot everybody's i feel like everybody who's listening to this probably has seen the ring before but essentially it's about a um, videotape that if you watch the videotape you get a call on the phone mm -hmm. that says seven days very scary actually actually the seven days thing actually only happens in the english version in the seven japanese days. in the japanese version you just kind of hear some feedback on the phone <laughs> yeah. but basically the idea is you watch this videotape and you die in seven days mm -hmm. um and you know the videotape is kind of cursed by this little girl sadako in the japanese version samara in the english version and um basically the the main characters in in these two movies are just trying to figure out the mystery of this tape how to reverse the curse they don't want to die they don't want their kid to die and that's essentially what the movie well is they i would say a big part of uh the films too is they are trying to figure out how it was made mm -hmm. and in that they figure out what the curse is and and how to reverse the curse if possible yeah yeah, yeah. so anyway i've already given up the goose, the mm -hmm. ghost. What, what's the term? What's the phrase? The goist? The gander. <laughs> Giving up the gander. I find the English version to be much, much scarier. Mm -hmm. So first off, the opening scene, which is uh, of both films, which is kind of like a movie into its own. It's two girls who are, you know, sort of having like a slumber party type thing. One of the girls starts telling this, you know, about this urban legend, about this videotape that can kill you. And the other girl's like, I've seen that video. And then... She's like, JK, I haven't seen the video. And then the telephone starts ringing and both of them are like, what the fuck? That's crazy. And then they pick up the telephone and it's the mom. They're like, oh, whoa, that tee -hee, that's so crazy. And then the girl who initially told the story, not the one who was like, that was me. The girl who to initially told the story walks away. And then the girl that said that she had heard, you know, seen the, the tape, the TV turns on. And, you know, that kind of. Is creepy. She turns off the TV and then the TV turns back on mm -hmm. and then she turns around and something happens. Now, in the Japanese version, when the thing happens, basically her face just turns black and white and you're like, oh, okay. So she must have gotten cursed. In the English version, what happens is they do this crazy zoom in on her face as her face becomes more and more like corpse-like. Mm -hmm. That's just way scarier. Yeah, it's and the opening scene in The Ring is is, is scary, terrifying. and it really sets, like, the mood, I think, for the rest of the film as well. And then, you know, 15 minutes later, the main character, Rachel, played by Naomi Watts, is talking to this girl's mother, and the girl's mother's like, I saw her face, and they shoot her face. Oh, and God. It so it's, scary. It's so scary. <laughs> <laughs> and in the Japanese version, when they shoot to their, the, the effect, you know, of the videotape, of the videotape curse on the people is much less, you know, it's kind of just their faces, like, screaming. Mm -hmm. In the English version, it's, like... Corpsey, the mouth is open, way too wide. Very, very terrifying. Also, the videotape in the Japanese version, there's maybe about five or six different frames. One of them is, you know, a lot of Japanese characters floating around. One of them is of the woman, you know, combing her hair. In the English version, 
you got like people crawling on the ground, like the woman jumping off Mm -hmm. the cliff. I mean, it's just like nightmare. Are the dead horses in the video? Mm, I I don't remember. I don't remember the dead horses being in the in the video. That was a creepy. That's a creepy part to me. But yeah, 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 when the horse kills itself. Yeah, that's the worst part of the movie. Yeah. Um, I hate it. it was Naomi awful. Watts, I'm like, leave him alone. Leave the horse alone, <laughs> Naomi. But anyway, um, I guess my yeah. point is, is that if you look at the individual parts of each of the films, I mean, there's no question. I mean, I, I tried to think, you know, is it my bias as someone, an American who prefers, you know, a more faster paced yeah. film? No. Just the individual parts of the American film are so scary and so much more scary than the Japanese version. Like, again, the Japanese version works better as kind of a drama, and I think it has better developed characters. But, I don't, you know, to me, there's no doubt that the English version, the American version is much, much scarier. Um, that's interesting you say that. Not to flex. I've actually read the book that this was based on, which was written by a Japanese right. author. You want to just continue this podcast by yourself, then I'm gonna, I'll just walk away. <laughs> um, I actually thought, because I had watched The Ring, the American movie, before I read The Ring, the Japanese book, and my overall impression of the book was that it was more of a drama. Yeah. yeah it had more of like a, I need to protect my family. Yeah. Like I failed my kid. What I did have you say to... the name of the husband is in the Ringu? Uh, Ryuji. I think that might be his name in the book, yeah. too. So yeah. they carry that over. Anyway, that's kind of like a side story, but... And maybe it's because you don't have the visuals of the videotape, which is one of the scariest parts of the movie. Um, but the book is much more about a drama, like an investigative, like yeah. journalism type of drama. And it's a good book. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was like, that's well, a scary thing. It kind of felt flat. That's a good point the, about the sort of like investigative drama. I think in the Japanese version of The Ring, it is about this investigation, finding out what's going on. In the English version of The Ring, the investigation almost seems like secondary to scaring the viewer i think yeah I mean, it's yeah, much like more of a scary movie yeah she's like trying to figure out what's going on but um her ex-partner i don't i don't know if they were married but her ex-partner that she had the son they have a son together he plays like a really big role in it too and he's mm. kind of in and out of it and and her son really plays a big role so yeah. so like the central theme of her trying to figure out what's going on is a little less important to kind of the effects that this is having on her family and stuff. Well, like that. and one one thing I wanted to talk about too, and this is kind of gets around to the creepy kids aspect. I will get there, and I want to just sort of lay a foundation first. So here we go. You ready? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this movie is obviously about the effects of television on society, and it's interesting. People are being killed by watching a screen, by watching a television, and it's a really interesting film. And I think the reason why it's so scary is because it's about watching something. As you're watching oh, this yeah. thing. At it's, the end, you're like, am I going to die? Am I going to die? <laughs> exactly. And I think the director, Gore, Vorban- Gore Verbansky, in this film, and I don't know how all of his other movies are so bad. I mean, he, What else has he done? Pirates of the Caribbean, oh, yeah, yeah. A Cure for Wellness, <laughs> Lone Ranger. He is brilliant in this movie. I mean, the way that like the things that you're watching on the screen, that, that the characters are watching on the screen become real is so interesting like she watches these images on the screen and i'll give one example um in the you know ring film the film that you watch that make, means you die seven days later there's like a shot of this water that gets dark kind of like with blood and then later in the film there's a scene where a horse jumps to its death and mm. then there's blood in the water 
And then I don't, I never caught this before, but there's a quick flash of a ring on the screen. Yes. Well, I think I never caught that before. Someone pointed that out in a different podcast I listened to. So I was looking for it this time and I was like, oh, that's, they, they do have that. It's, it's like a subliminal message. It's kind so of thing. interesting. And so I wanted to read a little bit from an article. And this, this article is by a gentleman named Bruce Stone in Salon, uh, the website salon.com. And the article is called Decoding the Ring. And it's about this effect where, like, you're watching a movie about people watching a movie and then dying. Mm-hmm. How The creative ways that the director kind of utilizes that. The article says, uh, when Samara, the evil, creepy kid, comes calling for Noah, the ex-husband, Naomi Watts' ex-husband, seven days after he watches the tape, we see her first climbing out of the well and then out of the television set itself. It would be tough to imagine a more literal instance of border dissolution, an image grading with awful consequences into reality. Most viewers will intuitively recognize the same pattern exists throughout the film. Samara's dread approach being only the finale to the cycle. The images on the cursed video of the ladder that leads nowhere, of the Morgan house and of the Moesco Island horses, and most notably of the fly. You remember she Mm -hmm. scratches at the fly. Uh, whose wings twitch when the tape is paused, that is just pretending to be paused, regularly bleed into Rachel's reality, Naomi Watch's character, culminating with her sojourn to the bottom of Samara's well. Mm-hmm. Verbansky is expressly violating the reassuring boundaries that presumably separate us from the events in a movie. And I thought that idea was so interesting. You know, again, I said earlier about how people watch horror movies to sort of like confront their fears in a way that's very, very safe to them. Mm-hmm. This movie sort of bleeds those boundaries a little bit because we see characters watching something on a screen and i don't mean to get you know too you know heavy-handed with the idea of it but i think that's part of the reason why people found this movie so scary is because the idea that something that i'm doing like some entertaining thing that i'm doing could actually have a real effect on me yeah and i mean when this film came out in 2002 i do remember um i think our mom's best friend's daughter watched it Mm -hmm. and she i remember her saying to me she was like but I watched the film, so, like, am I going to die in seven <laughs> yeah. days? Like, I remember it wasn't just the scary images of the movie, but it's kind of that thought of what if this is real or, mm. you know, what if what if maybe this isn't real, but something else like this, like, could happen. Yeah. It breaks down that barrier um, of the horror film and makes it something that's very, yeah, personal and to I you. Think, so getting back to the creepy kids aspect of it, this movie makes me think this, sorry, this film mm-hmm. makes me think a lot about how directors have so much control over what we see on a screen and so much control to shape how we see that thing. And sometimes it does bleed up, you know, we're laying in bed thinking about this movie scared. Oh, yeah. And so it made me think about how horror directors have turned like innocent nice kids into something that we are now afraid of i'm afraid of samara i know many people that are afraid of her but at the surface of it you know you see her in some of these scenes where she's in you know being interviewed by a psychiatrist she's just this little innocent kid Mm -hmm. but somehow millions of people throughout the country are terrified of this little girl and i think that is sort of one of the messages of the movie is how much you know manipulation and control like television and movies and stuff have over our lives and over our brains to the point where we you know, we have an episode about creepy kids. We're afraid. We're talking about how scared we are of kids. And it really is an interesting film in that respect. In the book. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about the book, <laughs> Well, it relates to what you said. Um, they get a lot into the backstory about how the videotape was made. Oh, and that's it's interesting. And it's made due to the trauma of 
I forget her Japanese name. Sadako. Sadako. It, yeah. it gets into her trauma, and I, I won't go into like what all that is, but in her trauma, she had psychological abilities, and her last act, her last projection was to create this film, and it was kind of the last images that she saw before she died. Yeah. So it's kind of her like dying, you know, gasp. And something about that became cursed so that everyone who watched that film basically was sharing her trauma. Yeah. And so... Shouldn't that make us feel sympathy for Samara, for Sadak? You know what I mean? Like We're scared of her. Yeah, but I mean, instead we're But I just think that's interesting too because you're right. When I was watching the film, it's like I for kids especially, I have more empathy, more sympathy. Mm-hmm. You know, we're supposed to be the rational ones. We're supposed to yeah. be the ones who are Even when kids do dumb shit, yeah. I still feel bad for them. Right, know? exactly. But Samara in the film is not given any sympathy. Like, she's just a monster. But if you think about it, it's like, all she's saying is, where's my mommy? Why doesn't she love me? And then we're like, you're a monster. (laughs) (laughs) By the time these scenes come around in the film, though, you've already seen her, you know, in so many different ways as being scary. So you're already predetermined to think, what's the matter with this fucking kid? You know, what a what a monster. She (laughs) she wants her mom. Yeah, fuck you, kid. <laughs> also, yeah, the fact that she's, like, Samara's, like, adopted because she, like, I don't know why, you know, maybe she was given up for adoption. And I don't think there's anything wrong with giving kids up for adoption. That's not what I'm trying to say. But she was adopted as, like, an older kid. So you have to think, like, perhaps she had a traumatic life. Yeah. Maybe there was. And then her mom, like, just fucking rejects her. <laughs> <laughs> and pushes her down a well. Yeah. And um, so, but she's the monster. I don't know. I always thought that was interesting because she is a creepy kid. That's just, like, a fact. Mm-hmm. But she's also a creepy kid that you're really, like, if that was real life, you would feel fucking sorry uh, You for. would. Yeah. Absolutely. So what we're talking about here is kind of the reason why I want to talk about the ring, not ring. Mm-hmm. I think this movie more effectively kind of conveys these messages um, and, um, you know, is less a movie about something happening and more a movie about, like, what it means to watch this movie. I, I don't yeah. know. It's... Again, the it Japanese is a meta movie. I it think. is a very meta movie, and especially yeah. you know we're talking about a movie that or a film, excuse me, a film that came out <laughs> six years after Scream, and I think it has a lot of those kinds of like meta introspective aspects to it. I would like to say about The Ring, it was made in two thousand and two. Yep, it is a little less effective today. I think it is a little oh, dated. Yeah. I, I mean, think it's dated. On. I think not every film older film i mean we've discussed a lot of films that were made before it's a little it it is a little plotting at parts the middle part is very plotting i think it could have been shortened a little bit um but and it's also just kind of you can't help but like laugh at the the vhs yeah and like the guy this is how you record a vhs i mean you just do (laughs) this i mean it's very important what i do i I copy vhs yeah like her um ex-partner too is like Every VHS has like this signature thing. <laughs> this one doesn't have a signature. I just want to like, point out too that The Ring, when uh, after it left theaters, once it was released on home video, it was released on DVD too. So by the time this movie even came yeah. out on home video, VHS was already obsolete. Yeah, but it's just like so much of the technology in that is like also questionable that you're like, mm, I don't know. If I that's would true, also but... like to say too. I mean, I think you know the point that the film is making about like television and screens. Um, more specifically, like screens is still relevant. I'd like to see like kind of an update oh. involving phones or something. You know, yeah. I think that would be very interesting. And um, I think the message is still valid. Yeah. I just think that unfortunately, because of the specific era in which it was made, um, kind of revolving around a VHS, <laughs> a little, it is a, it's little, a little dated. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I still think anybody watching this film for the first time is probably gonna get their pants scared off mm-hmm. of them, like I was when I watched it with my grandma and granddad when I was thirteen years old. I was fucking terrified now 
Before we move on, I just want to make one, talk about one last thing in this movie, and that is the kid Aiden. He is also a creepy kid, but I don't want to talk about that. I just want to talk about one scene at the end where they think they've ended the curse because oh, they God. found her body, and the kid's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. You didn't end anything. You you just are helping her by copying these videos. Yeah. I just thought that scene was so funny. The kid is so incredulous oh, about yeah. the fact that his mom is copying videos in order to like sort of perpetuate this curse. And it's just like, you fucking idiot. What are you, <laughs> what are you doing? And I thought, but I did think that was like a really interesting, essentially Naomi Watts' character, Rachel, is you know, the way you break the curse is by making a copy of the film and give it to someone else. She's perpetuating this evil. And this kid, I mean, he is innocent. He doesn't want to hurt anybody else, even if it means like hurting himself. So it's a really interesting like contrast to the way the film. I mean, in a lot of ways, this kid is a lot like Samara. He's weird. He's drawn all these creepy pictures. He's saying really like creepy things. But we're supposed to think of him sympathetically to the point where he's even willing to be like, yeah, I'll sacrifice myself. You're an idiot. What are you doing? Why are you helping her? I just thought that was a really interesting contrast. Um, even though he's a, they're both creepy kids, but you know, we're made to think of them differently, mm-hmm. even though they're not. Yeah, they're not know. really that different. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's the ring. Creepy Great kids. film. We love creepy kids. Um, hopefully this will make you think more about why do we find kids so creepy in these movies? Maybe just they are creepy. Maybe they're just weirdos. Kids are weird. Yeah, kids are weird. Kids are weird. They, they have say jacked like, up teeth. They yeah. say bad, they say mean things. They say very weird things. <laughs> I don't know. I like kids, but I'm like, mm, you're weird. You're weird and creepy. Before we move on to the last segment of our show, which is where we discuss movies that we've watched recently. Uh-huh. We do have a, oh, God. a slight correction oh, no. <laughs> to our hit segment. I didn't want, I'm glad we didn't start with this. I almost thought about starting with this, but I'm like, no, let me, let's, di- let's bury our shame deep into this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> our hit segment is at Never Nev, which you all are familiar with and love. <laughs> um, so we did this last week. We thought we were really cool. Um, we both agreed that it was definitely Neve Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> we walked out to my boyfriend, and he was like, oh, you did your hit segment? And we said, yeah, ne- is it Neve or Nev? Of course it's Neve. And he's like, oh, it's Nev. It's Nev Campbell. <laughs> and of course, I, I, even I knew that. I just wasn't thinking. Like, I've heard Nev Campbell's name before. Oh, and I remember the name of the actress whose name everyone um, always mispronounced. Everyone says it's Demi Moore. It's actually Demi Moore. Yeah, Demi Moore. Yeah, yeah. that's, sorry. I also wanted Chrissy to Chrissy Teigen. That. Chrissy Teigen as well, people. Pronounce their names right, okay? Give I'm- them the respect they deserve. Nev, we are so sorry. <laughs> I- if you're listening right now, we are so sorry. <laughs> to be totally honest with you, I probably will still continue calling her Neve. In Kim. private, though. Not to her face. <laughs> I mean, when we hang out for our monthly brunch, mm-hmm. I'll call her Nev. <laughs> yeah, to her face. You want to talk about what What have you watched uh, recently? Mm. What new movies have you watched recently? Well, I've been watching The Haunting of Hill House. I'm on uh, episode seven. I'm on episode two. Okay. I've watched one episode. I feel like people watch that show so fast. I'm like, who has oh, the time no. to sit down? Their episodes are longer than an hour Look, long. I got video games to play. I got horror movies. Film, sorry. <laughs> horror films to watch. I don't have time. Now. I have to rewatch The Office like once a month. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'm busy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I've been watching The Haunting of Hill House, which people have rightly pointed out as like the monologue show, which is yeah. just like, but it's so good. It it's, is. I think it really. The one episode I watched was very, I'm, I'm excited to get back to it this week. Yeah, I think it's really plays well on horror tropes. Horror is really good, I think, at addressing how grief and how generational trauma like affects our lives. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially what The Haunting of Hill House is about. I mean, it definitely has supernatural elements, and I think you could read it as a supernatural show. But I think at its heart, it's about a group of siblings who have a shared grief and how they 
each deal with that grief. Yeah. Um, and I just find that actors have like a very good dynamic, both the young actors and the old actors. So they have a realistic. I did note again. I'm only one episode in, but I did know notice like you've mentioned about the uh, Lucas and Elias and mm-hmm. Goodnight Mommy. It's so hard to establish that sibling relationship. Right. I noticed right away that these people act like they're. I mean. They don't seem to like each other all that much. They have complicated relationships, but they still have like a warmness towards their interactions. I would like to point out that I am such a young Theo. Like that's, (laughs) that was me as a child to a T and you are definitely the oldest sibling. You act exactly like him. It's like, well, this is what we're going to (laughs) do. Look, you, you and Natalie depend on me for my opinion and I'm going to give it to you. Okay. And the other siblings are always like, shut the fuck up. (laughs) Just rolling your eyes. Um, and the other thing I watched last night was called apostle have you heard oh, of that I ha- it's on i'm gonna watch that this week um it's by the director who did the raid movies oh which okay I'm a big fan of yes uh the poor man's wicker man uh-huh. i think i will say i really liked it mm-hmm. i thought it was really gory like in a fun way there's like a I was dis- hoping you'd say that there's a descent-esque scene um where this guy i'm gonna ruin it swims through a river of blood he's like oh yeah oh, it's like so wow. cool it had very disturbing imagery. It had a good story. I would say it's a little long. It's two. It's that's two hours and been, ten minutes. That's yeah. what's been holding me back a little bit is the runtime. Then again, I did just see Suspiria, which I'll talk about yeah. in a second. And that yeah. was a long movie. I uh, I put it on um, thinking I would watch half last night and half this morning, um, but I ended up watching the whole film. It is very gripping. I think parts of it could have been cut and it could have been a little shorter. Uh, but I really thought it was very interesting. It's a film about a guy whose sister is kidnapped and by a, like a religious cult and held for ransom. And they're trying to get her father to come and rescue her. But instead he goes and he kind of like inf- infiltrates the cult and tries to um, rescue her. It's set in 1905 and it's on an island. It's very Wicker Man. But instead of him being sacrificed, it kind of takes a few twists and turns. And it just has a lot of very gory. Spoiler things. alert for uh, 2006's Wicker Man. Yeah, <laughs> 2006's yeah, yeah. Right, let's, let's Wicker be clear. Man, the better Wicker Man. Yeah. Um, and I just really like every time something gory starts happening, uh, you think, oh, they're probably going to cut away. Folks, they do not. And they never cut <laughs> That's away. That's so good to hear. Yeah. I, you know, I feel like I've watched a lot of great horror films this year, and I have to say, not too many of them have been very gory. And sometimes you just like some good old fashioned. It's fun. Blood and guts. As I yeah. said, I think on last week episode i just love fake blood so mm. the more the more fake blood the better yeah. in my opinion <laughs> now i want to talk first off i did see suspiria this week i'll talk about that in a second but first off i want to talk about horror music all right i posted on our twitter earlier this week oh. city hunters new album deep blood city hunter are a band out of denver and I, I'll show you the cover. It's very much like a slasher. Oh, that, he looks type like the cover. baby face from Happy Death Day. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, great description. Um, to anybody interested in listening to like scary music, this album has like a very like menacing tone to it. Very aggressive. It's punk music. It's punk rock music. It's very aggressive. The uh, vocals are very scary sounding. The effects on it are really scary. But best of all to horror fans, it has a lot of like classic slasher horror like sound effects and like sort of music in it. And so anybody that's into like more aggressive, faster, I would say if you're into like metal or 
hardcore new metal not new metal well if you're into corn. new metal if you're into corn you'll like if it, you're into new metal or insane clown posse thank you for listening we very much welcome you but um i would definitely recommend that to people if you who drink fago you are welcome here into more uh extreme music it's very very good and, and horror themed and that's i i really enjoyed it but yes, yeah, so let's talk about Suspiria. Uh, I watched this film Friday. We're recording this on Sunday. I watched it Friday night. This is a two and a half plus hour long film. Um, How many times did you have to go pee during? It? I went pee just once. I was, oh, able, okay. to, I was able to that's control myself. Did not bring a beer into the theater this time. So oh, that's, okay. Well, that's, that's weird. why I wasn't able. We to... normally sneak beers. <laughs> we're so cool. <laughs> this film is by uh, Luca. He has an Italian he has last a name. Really long Italian last name, but he he famously last year directed Call Me by Your Name. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So and then he's directed Suspiria, and it stars oh, Dakota sh- Johnson. Dakota Johnson. Yeah, I couldn't remember her name and. The incomparable Tilda Swinton, who plays three parts in this movie, two of which are featured prominently throughout the movie. And I will say, oh, okay. one of the characters is an older man. I had no idea it was Tilda Swinton until someone pointed out to me after the film, oh, someone cool. I went with. So she does a great job, all three roles. Now, the question that everybody is going to have is that, is this a good remake? How does this compare to the original? Blah, blah, blah. It is nothing, nothing like the original. It has the same characters, the same setting, the same like setup. It is does not have first off the music by Tom York. I'm sorry, Mr. York. That was a terrible soundtrack. You suck. <laughs> that was really bad. Uh, the original film had a soundtrack by Goblin, which is uh, iconic. I Probably know. the greatest, not just horror film soundtrack, but maybe movie soundtrack yeah. of all. Th- I mean, non musical singing in the rain as the best soundtrack of all time for me. No, it, the original Suspiria soundtrack is incomparable, and this just did not do it justice. And there's one particular scene later on in the film where Tom York's singing starts during a completely inappropriate oh, so scene. He sings? Oh, he sings. Yes. I now, hate Radiohead, folks. Okay, I if you like, like Radiohead, you're probably an old white dude. I like, like Radiohead, <laughs> but this was just bad. Now, but I will say everything else about the film I thought was awesome. Yeah. It was it was not as visually striking as the original film, but I thought that the story, the like setting in kind of 1970s divided Berlin and just kind of the feel of the movie it was more grounded in reality. I feel like the original film is like a fairy tale mm-hmm. and very like, I said this about Halloween, but Halloween's not at all the same movie as Suspiria, but I feel, <laughs> feel like Suspiria is very ethereal. You're mm-hmm. almost like walking into someone's dream. This movie was not like that at all. It's very, very different, but I thought it was really, really good. I really, really enjoyed it. I know, is it as good as the original Suspiria? No. But it's also not the same exact... It's not the same... No. <laughs> no. Nothing... I don't think very few films to me are as good as the original But Suspiria. that's kind of my thing. It's like, do I want to go see a two and a half hour long movie that isn't even going to be as good as Suspiria that has Tom York singing the whole time? <laughs> like, I think I'm going to have to check it out because... You must. You yeah. have to. As a... Any... Now, casual horror fans might end up hating this film because yeah. I would say it's not scary. If you're looking to go see a movie that's scary, and it's also like we talked about sort of like, what do we call them? Not art horror films. What we were calling them earlier? Like high the witch, highbrow. Yeah. yeah. This is like a step beyond that. This is like an art film, like Oscar fodder type mm-hmm. film. I have to admit nothing that you're saying is making me really want to go check it out. But I, I will. I will. But kind of my reservations um, about it are, I do love the original Suspiria. Mm-hmm. I think it's so iconic. 
It is. I, I mean, the it, things that make it iconic are the things that I've heard from you and from others are missing from the new one. I'm not super interested in uh, remakes. I know we kind of just talked about that earlier. Uh, but you know, that's that's between I think different languages is one thing. But I don't know nothing. Maybe if I saw Call Me By Your Name, because I've heard that's a great film. Um, maybe I would be more excited about it. But like Dakota Johnson, Bleh, don't really care. Tilda Swinton, I'm very hot and cold on. and She's excellent. I mean, I'm going to have to check it out, and I'm sure I'll like it, but the idea of going and watching a two-and-a-half-hour-long movie is kind of daunting, to be honest. You know, honestly, it wasn't until maybe, like, two hours into the film that I even realized, like, how long I had been there. I The problem is, is that, like, when I'm describing it to you, like, how does it compare to the original Suspiria? What was it? It's hard to, like, talk about this film and not compare it to the original and say it's lacking in these things that made the right. original it's great. Different. It's just a different. Yeah. It's just different film. Mm-hmm. Same same title, same situations, but, like, even different setting. I mean, it's set in Berlin. Yeah. Of, the original film was set in the Black Forest, Freiburg. Yeah. I mean... I'll definitely check it out because I think, you know, you ha- you have to. And I know it's gotten, like, good reviews and I know people have enjoyed it, so... And I'll check it out. I just... I was going to watch it this weekend, and then I was like, I honestly don't feel like it. Well, I will say, okay, let me give a caveat. I said to casual horror fans, this is not scary. You know, maybe you won't enjoy it as much. As a horror film, it delivers. I Let me be very, very clear. I mean, there is one scene in particular in this film that occurs about a half an hour in that is, I was like, my mouth was open when I was, I mean, my mouth is open a lot. I was about to say, your mouth is always open. (laughs) But I was just, like, in shock. I was like, I cannot believe this, like, prestige director is directing this. Okay. There was a lot of those kinds of That's moments. That's cool. Okay. That it was, there was at least, yeah. like, three or four of those moments where I'm like, holy shit. Like, this dude is doing this? Mm-hmm. Good for him. And I feel like it, it seems like probably the film you'll want to watch in theaters. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I will say... I've still never seen the original Suspiria in theaters. That movie is made for theaters. I please to the powers that be put that now that the remake is AMC, in theaters. AMC, I know you're listening. I, AMC, <laughs> the top brass at AMC, I know they're listening right now. I want to see that in theaters so bad. Yeah. I can't even imagine what yeah. what an experience that would be. But it's complicated. You know, I, I now that we're getting to the end of the year, I keep on thinking of films in terms uh, of my yeah. top ten. I have no idea where I'll put Suspiria. Yeah. I, I have to give it some thought. And another thing is, is I talked with a few friends after the film. We're like, what the fuck is this movie about? There's so many mm. different things that this movie can be about, but it doesn't really effectively convey that. So I'm interested to sort of read some reviews now and read other people's perspective mm-hmm. on it. Suspiria, 2018. Uh, I haven't seen any other horror films, to be honest. I mean, it hasn't been too long since our last episode. And Halloween really wore me out oh, with all yeah. of the And I feel like I, I want to see that one a second time. Yeah. I th- I think it's still in theaters. That's a very high priority of mine to mm-hmm. go see that again. Um, I need to find time to do that. But there's been, I mean, there's a lot of horror movies I think I have to catch up on from this year mm-hmm. alone. Uh, you can expect possibly... In the next month or so, our top 10, I think, you know, I'm moving soon and I want to get that, I want to get that in before I move, but, um, you know, we are, he's abandoning me. We are putting some thought into our top 10. And so there's a lot of, been a lot of great horror films that have come out this year. So we're going to be on a rush to kind of catch up and, you know, see all the great films that have come out in 2018. Cause again, we're just in a real boom period for horror films. I don't think. It's probably not been like this since maybe the early 80s during the slasher boom. And the quality of films is certainly a lot better than uh, what was happening during the slasher boom. So I'm really excited to talk about our top 10 of 2018 soon here. I got a lot of uh, movies I have to catch up on before then. But I'm definitely creating 
my list. Mm-hmm. Got some con- contenders for the top mm-hmm. slot. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, I think that's I don't a have good... any contenders. I have a solid number one and it has been number one all year, but we'll, we'll talk about it later. Don't you dare you ruin it. You know how angry it. that makes me. Don't you dare ruin it. Um, I think, but I think it's a good thing when you, when you can't really decide on your top three, that just means I think it's yeah. been a really good year. Mine's yeah. been in flux all year. And, you know, to, to people who are, again, more casual horror fans that are listening to this, I'm really excited to talk about our top 10 later this year and introduce people to all the... I, I think maybe five years ago, every horror movie that came out, I think people were just assuming it was bad. Now it's kind of like people are at least looking in to see whether or not it's good or not. And mm-hmm. I think there's still so much more that go under people's radar. So I'm excited to talk about it. Um, are there any horror movies coming out like in the near future you're excited about? I, for one, was very excited to hear that Happy Death Day would be getting a mm-hmm. um, sequel. Happy I'm not, Death Day to you is yeah, what it's called. I'm not a big sequel person, uh, but I watched the trailer. I have to say I like the direction that they're going to be taking in. I thought it was a really fun film, and I'm ready to go like on another ride with it yeah, yeah I'm, I'm ready for the pet sedentary remake oh uh, the, yes that's gonna be so good it's been playing during the halloween screenings i've heard so that's probably i've only seen it the one time when i saw halloween but whew, that trailer looked made it look really good um the original is great uh so really looking forward to that oh i also wanted to talk about the fact that i went to halloween horror nights <laughs> they had a happy death day house mm. Which was just like the baby face popping out at you every two seconds. <laughs> it was pretty stupid. Um, but and they also they had a Beautiful. Halloween a Halloween four house return Why? of Michael Myers. Yeah, return okay. of Michael Myers. That's yeah. strange for whatever reason. And again, yeah, it was just Michael jumping out at you like every few seconds. Nice. It was really fun. But the actually the best house I thought was um, a zombie themed house. I had just like, a lot of really interesting elements. Um, and then there was another really fun house that was like fifty style like horror movies like you walked through like a diner and you walked through like a, a drive-in and stuff like that so it was really fun. you walked through a dive yeah. so diners <laughs> drive-ins dives get it yeah. <laughs> oh wow That's pretty good yeah um so yeah i've been having a lot of fun horror experiences even though i haven't well, been watching a ton to of wrap this up then i want to ask you um what did you watch on halloween uh, we're about a week out from halloween did you watch anything on halloween or usually a lot of candy i watched the nightmare before christmas oh boom God. roasted <laughs> Well, I did. So take that. What do you do on Christmas then? What do you do on Christmas? I watch Elf like a normal <laughs> fucking person. God, if I have to watch Elf one more time in my life, I might. But the Elf, what's your favorite color? <laughs> no. Well, I watched Halloween H2O. Oh, you did? I really, really. I love watching the Halloween films on Halloween. Just didn't feel like watching the original. So mm-hmm. watch H2O. Can still confirm that it is not better than the new one. <laughs> Everybody's saying, I think the old like tier list was like Halloween 1, H2O, then 2. So now, like, obviously, this new one's not as good as the original, but is it better than H2O? How is that a conversation, people? Come on. H2O is great. I really enjoy it. Halloween fans are so fucking annoying. Halloween, we're, not, we're not like Halloween series fans. <laughs> so maybe we just have a difference of opinion with those people. But yeah. I'm just in awe that there are people out there that yeah. think H2O is better than the new one. Yeah, I did. I did listen to a lot of Halloween, the new Halloween coverage on like various mm-hmm. podcasts. So I was like really hyping myself up about that whole conversation. And I think, I mean, I think people like what they like. People I think are people have entitled to their opinion. And I think, but I think people too have been invested in this series for like years and years and years. But I also think that means that they don't have the perspective to see like you're nitpicking a film that if you were coming to it fresh would just be an amazing. Yeah, film. So, and also yeah. like. I don't know. I just think if some people, like, if you rewatch Halloween 5, Curse of Michael Myers, 
It's really bad. Like, <laughs> how is that jading your opinion of? I mean, it's fun. All these Halloween films are well, fun, I think but it's, like, I think more too. It's it's hard for people to jettison every single Halloween film since the first one and come into the and come into but the Halloween's new one as a sequel. Done that twice before with the Rob Zombie yeah. remakes and with uh, Halloween H two O. Yeah, I think the Rob Zombie remakes are a little different just because yeah. it's a totally different style and like you can just be like, okay, I'm just going to consider this. But like, I've heard complaints about the new Halloween. Michael wouldn't be able to do that. Bitch, the last thing you knew, he just woke up from the ground and walked away. Like, that's what you're supposed to come yeah. to it at, you know? Like, yeah. Wow, anyway. we got really off topic. Yeah. But. What, what, are we, what are we talking about? Anyway. <laughs> uh, folks, we promise we'll have a little bit more structure to these podcasts going forward. I don't but, promise that uh, Anyway, at all. Um, please uh, follow us on social media. Ah, Real Films, R-E-E-L on Twitter. Uh, ah, Real Films, like our podcast on Instagram, and then ahrealfilms at gmail.com if you want to email us. And Don't we, think we've gotten any emails yet. But. I check every day, desperate <laughs> for some fans. I checked our podcasting host site. I got very excited when our podcasting host site told us we had 11 unique listeners. Oh. I texted everyone I knew. We're very famous. Look, <laughs> folks, we thought we were going to get like three, and like one of them would be our mom. So yeah. I'm very happy with that. Our mom doesn't currently know how to search for podcasts in the podcast app i sent her um step-by-step instructions with screenshots of her text message so mom if you're finally listening hey Hey. (laughs) also uh shout out um we have our 17th subscriber he asked me to shout him out thomas good thank you for subscribing being our 17th subscriber he asked me to shout him out when i told him i wouldn't he like his face just crumpled. I felt so bad for him. And also, shout you out. You saw him in real life, or what? Oh yeah, yeah in re- IRL, and he seemed very upset that I wouldn't shout him out. So shout please out. your shout out. <laughs> um, also, shout out to uh, the guitarist of City Hunt- uh, City Hunter. I don't have him right here, but he retweeted our podcast when we posted about him. Uh, oh, thank you very shit. much. It's very nice of you. I think he was just typing in City Hunter into mm. Twitter and just saw that we posted about him. But hey, thanks, bud. Come to play in Tallahassee. We'd yeah. love to see you. Our- North Florida. We would love to see you. Hey, I'm moving, so I'm not going to live Stop trying anymore. to give away my location. <laughs> yeah, I um, live at uh, 1486. <laughs> um, and if you're not subscribed to the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Smash the like button. Smash please. the like button. Five stars. Leave a comment that says really nice things. Please, people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally desperate for validation, so please, please help me out. Um, I'm in a really low emotional state, I think it's fair to say. Um, and I'm Seasonal just, depression. I'm we just desperate for like people i don't know to validate me <laughs> yeah so if you could do that, that if you would be do great. know me i don't need your validation i know you love me but. <laughs> yeah. um but thank you so much for listening and we hope to see you next week bye that never sounds good I would like to amend my answer to last week. I said Monster Mash was my favorite oh, Halloween yeah, yeah. Uh, song. We're talking um, about music, yeah. But actually, my favorite Halloween song is This Is Halloween. From The Nightmare Before Christmas, a 2000, 1999 Tim Burton film, which is my favorite Halloween It is film. not 1999. <laughs> yes! You got the year wrong. No, I, I'm looking it up right now. Well, if I'm if I'm wrong, so you... Uh... Night? Not. Night? Nightmare. <laughs> You're about to get owned. It's 1999? Oh, it's 1993. That's what I thought. I thought it was earlier than that. Well, you can go fuck yourself. We can cut (laughs) this.